Welcome back to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke, and I'm back, and this is episode number 84, and I have two lovely gentlemen here with me Lovely. apparently went shopping together and are wearing... <laughs> Literally, almost the exact same thing. They both have this dark just, hats on. They this both just have tells you on. how they both have cool the, what is tear it? What is. color? What color is your shirt? Is it like dark navy or I something? Call it a, I would call it a midnight blue. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Brooke doesn't know. He doesn't know what color it's, it is. You're colorblind. It's, it's kind all of blue. gray. <laughs> it's gray. And the same jeans. I, and like literally, did you guys go shopping together? Well, like, probably. regardless of how this. Probably. <laughs> this uh, ended up happening. I think this is a really big red flag for Tanner because he's 30 and Yikes. cool. Yeah, this is not, he, not cool. He uh, finds himself dressing like I'm, a 52-year-old, evidently. I'm <laughs> under no false assumption that I am cool. I am embracing my inner dad. And Walmart sells these oh, shirts see, for $3.99. See, I'm trying to lift nice. you up, and here you are tearing me down, calling me... <laughs> dad, dad bod guy, you know. Well, um, it's all it's good. Okay. It's all good. It's it's best to just accept who we are. Let's just say we don't dress up for the audio only podcast experience, <laughs> That's right? right? Uh, yikes. <laughs> hey, I got to jump in episode eighty four and give a shout out uh-huh. to my favorite, personally, yes. my favorite eighty four in football of all time ever, Ben Woods, one of our listeners. Uh, what, what grade has Ben in? Does either one of you guys know what grade Ben is? Didn't know. Was it fifth grade? And Henrietta football. I think he's in fifth grade. I don't remember. Alan and Rachel Woods. I'm terrible at that. Son is number 84. And, uh, but number one in your hearts. Uh, number one in our hearts. Absolutely. There's a video that <laughs> yes, I wish. I was about to say. You, tell us about it. <laughs> this video. I wish we could share. This video that Rachel took. <laughs> Mom ben. took this on the sideline. Oh, ben, I don't know. There's like some music playing so, or something. So for those for those of you that, that that have never played football, or maybe you played football but you were good, uh. those of us that <laughs> played football and were not good, you get a lot of time standing on the sidelines. Yes, watching there's a other lot kids of play. players and other people are doing other things. But I'm and not so sure that's true about Ben. I don't ben, know that. I don't ben know plays. That it may yeah. not. It may not. That's be. not fair to Ben. But no, I think it's like warm up time when this video was taken. It, it may but be. Still, but still, it's the sideline. It's yeah, the yeah, sideline yeah. part. Yeah, stand on the sideline. Stand on the sideline. I think there's some music playing or something. Oh, it's specifically ACDC, Back in Black. Yes. And he is just <laughs> dancing. He's a dancing fool, man. Knew, knew the words. Knew like, the words. He's dancing. He's all, and it's fu- what's what's funny is not even just that he's dancing. It's that all the other teammates are standing like statues. Totally perfectly still. And he's like, nope, I am going for it. <laughs> One of the coaches walks by and is like just giggling. Ben, you be you, man. Don't yeah, change brother. I'm just thing. saying, from, from my perspective, as someone who sat on the bench a lot mm-hmm. uh, mostly in basketball you know like if you ever watch like a basketball game or something like that and like yeah. during free throws the the dudes that sit on the bench all the time like when they make the free throw like they do something different with their legs and right, like they right, cross right. their legs the other way or they all celebrate in a specific way and mm-hmm. it's really funny if you watch those kinds of things but then there's these moments that's like yeah. you just kind of catch this like ah <laughs> oh, this was that's this awesome. was awesome oh yeah nobody knew it and he's not you know and then he turned around and he's like uh i got caught i got caught <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so there you go number 84 yeah, ben right woods on. from henry he's right up there with shannon sharp from the broncos you know um, you know sure ben woods it's awesome yeah jay novacek from the cowboys and, and ben, ben woods we've now 
digressed. <laughs> it was all about our family here, and then you had to take I'm just it. saying, he's up there in the 84 Hall right. of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what I'm trying to say. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Well, uh, so we were we we were uh, planning a podcast last week. This would have been number 84. It would have happened last week, and uh, one of us um, was... Uh, in school, and one of us was sick, and the other one of us was sitting in the room here all by himself, um, I'm st- and I'm sparing, sparing you, sparing you from a monologue. I'm still not sure why you didn't just interview Crying yourself. in the dark. You didn't have to cry <laughs> Brooke, in the dark, What do you think? Brooke. You could change voices. Brooke, what do you think about uh, well, you know, transubstantiation? Well, well me, actually, that's a great question. Run oh over to this gosh. other microphone. Can we cut that out? I don't <laughs> What was he doing Is that not how, he, that not how he sounds? <laughs> Do it again. Do it again. Not do the voice do again. No, Come on, do the voice again. again. No. There's, a, there's, a, there's a rewind button. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> but we were talking. We were, we were making too much noise. That's good stuff. Uh, so the week before, week before you guys, you guys did this all by yourselves. Mm-hmm. That's right. We've, it's been a while since yeah. you've been with us. I know. It's Brooke. been three weeks now. Yeah. My uh, my sister got married in Colorado Springs, and you officiated. I officiated, and it was legal. It was it was legal. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Man, well, maybe <laughs> Colorado. As far as actually, we know, actually, Colorado doesn't care. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't care. Colorado they, lets they you just, do almost anything. They want a witness, yep. and that's all. They don't care. Like <laughs> yep. your dog could be the one, and you could like say bark, and that would be enough. And palm print really, for a really, signature. Exactly. They don't care. Uh, so that it may be my last wedding ever. Um, <laughs> it was it where was, in Colorado Springs? Yeah, it was, in Col- it was awesome. actually just outside of Colorado Springs. But we got we went up to Colorado Springs and we stayed and mm-hmm. and uh, you know we Colorado went up Springs. To, I love that spot. Yeah, we went up to Pikes Peak and the kids were all terrified except did for you, Jesse. And did you do the Garden of the Gods at all? We did. We yeah. did the Garden of the Gods and it was like it was really cool because it was it was towards the end of the day. We just didn't have a ton, ton of time and the weather was not good. Oh, um, because we were going to go <laughs> to Pikes Peak that yeah. day. But the weather was so bad, like the, it was rainy and cloudy and everything. Like we're not going up there. Yeah, but the afternoon it kind it didn't clear up, but it was like the rain stopped or whatever. So yeah. we went to so we went to Garden of the Gods instead, and uh, which for those of you that have never been there before, this is like um, really really big like rock structures mm-hmm. that are just kind of it's, it's way cool out it there and cool. yeah. you know walking paths and all this kind of stuff and and so we went and it was like as we were as the sun was going down. So the sun's going down behind behind different rock structures, and there's like fog coming in over the top of them. Yeah. So it ended up being actually really yeah, cool. Really cool, yeah. And you know the kids were the kids were thrilled to like climb mm-hmm. on things mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and everything. And then we went to the Pikes Peak the next day. All tried to like shoving all of this into like, hey, also um, <laughs> if you could come early and help make flowers and uh, boutonnieres uh, and be dressed by this time and here so that we can do all the stuff. So it was. Um, it was a uh, go 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 trip, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we we actually made it to the top of uh, Pikes Peak. Um, nice. That was against the will of uh, the majority of the car. Uh, <laughs> mo- most of them were not interested. in I'm glad you made that happen. And though. so I was like, I'm not giving. I'm not stopping now. You, you got to take. Them I had there. one that was. I had one that was car sick. I had another one that was terrified. My wife was overwhelmed, like looking over the edge, which probably helped uh, one of my kids that was totally terrified. And, uh, oh yeah, definitely. You know, and then and then we had Kendrick that was like, everybody's freaking out. I guess I should freak out too. Yeah. And so we finally got to the top, and Jesse and I were like, "How close to the edge can we get and take pictures?" And the rest of them are like, "Can we go now?" Yeah. And <laughs> Your picture had a lot of smiles. Yeah, they fake. They probably put on their they game face really well. for well, the hey, fa- for the out. social media <laughs> right, picture. Yeah. There's a lot of there's Look a lot of pictures out there of them faking yeah. that. So yeah, we made it to the bottom, and and literally on the way down, Kenzie was like. Okay, Dad, you were right. 
that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I know it. I know ha! it. Yeah. <laughs> I win. <laughs> so that's right. So yeah. So my sister got married and it all went off well. And uh, I, I I read the whole the whole efficient speech or I don't know what what you call that thing. And uh, only the first joke it was literally like within the first two sentences did I completely mess up and have to like ramble to get back to and actually land the joke. And um, <laughs> so it started so. rough. It's well in my head. I think I think I covered it okay, but in my head, I'm literally reading this almost word for word for the you know 100th time in three days, and mm. and uh, yeah, so I I bombed the first one. I was like, God, come on, come and on, then, man! And then the rest of it was filled with movie quotes and oh yeah, perfect and jokes and all those kinds of things. So they giggled and cried and and it, and it went perfect. off. So. And then I got home, we, we drove home on Sunday, and so Monday morning I had to get up early, and, so, and this is like a, it took us like 12 hours to get yeah. home. Mm-hmm. Monday morning I have to get up early and drive out to River Creek Golf Course because I'm doing, I was taking part in a marathon golf tournament. Fundraiser. Fundraiser. Primarily, Fundraiser. right. Fundraiser, yeah, that's probably a better word. For the center, for the, the, the center that, we, that we've gone out and helped them do a whole bunch of things. And so they I do got deal with uh, women in... Crisis, right? Crisis pregnancies yeah. and uh, and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, uh, literally, like we drove home. We get home, like I mean, it was like ten thirty when we pull in, and then I've got to unload everything and do everything, and and uh, get up early the next morning and drive out there because I had to be out there by I think like seven. I think we were supposed to start at seven, so I was like, well, I got to be there a little bit early so I can get stuff out of the car or whatever. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was with a bunch of youth pastors who were late. Um, so <laughs> like I should have. I should have just known. Should have known. And so then I played 125 holes of golf mm-mm. in the next nine hours. That's and uh, that's... I think my body has fully recovered now. At this point, now two weeks. <laughs> two weeks later. Yeah. This and and for clarity, for clarity, for any golfers out there that are literally going, that's impossible. What? In in fairness, you you rode a card, obviously. Yep. And by you, myself. And you pick up the ball. Oh, you're by yourself, so you don't have to go to two people's balls. You just go into your right, ball. Right. And if I understood correctly, I think somebody else told me, you get it on the green, you pick it up. Nope. You actually hit it in the hole. Yep. 125 holes? Uh-huh. It was long. How's that even possible, man? It's long. And it, like some of the holes, they'd be like, yeah, it's a par three, so you hit three balls on this one, and then you okay. play all three of them. I'm doing the math. For me, that's about 900 strokes. <laughs> I don't think it was, I, I don't it was think a I lot have of time. It was a lot of strokes. Some of them is just like, ah, just hit the ball again. It doesn't matter. Just hit it again. Wow. So yeah, that was that was good wow. times. And then my wife had surgery the next day. So it was been holy. It's been uh it's been a uh, a couple of weeks. Wow. It's been a full couple of weeks. So yes, sorry I bailed on you guys and you had to cover It's all good. Um without me. So it's all Sounds good. Sounds like you, you suffered. So you had a lot of I'm, good reasons. Good. That's right. That's right. It's fine. Sounds like it was not the best thing. It wasn't <laughs> just fun for you. Yeah. So. Can, can I take a, a hard turn sure. and mention another another thing that happened in the life of our community this past week that um, I didn't even think about till we started recording is we lost one of our colonial saints this past week, uh, Ginger Beish. Ginger has been a part of Colonial for, um, actually, I don't even know how many years, but a long, long, long time. time. Yeah. She was almost 81 when she passed um, a little over a week ago, maybe right out a week ago. And um, it was bittersweet mm. to celebrate her life uh, on Friday. Um, I know, Tanner, you were there mm-hmm. and helped make it happen. And, um, man, she just loved Jesus. She gave yeah. herself to so many people. She's a teacher for 35 years. Uh, in middle school, she uh, 
she was a leader here at our church, one she of our group a, leaders. She wrote a book about the kind of the history of KMA, Texas. Yep. Um, yeah. Just Ginger still is one of my favorite people. Just uh, what she offered to Shelby and I, we got to go through Rooted uh, with Ginger. So you got to hear her story. Got to hear share lots, your story got, with got her. Got to hear lots of lots of really cool stuff. Um, she took her groovy grannies through. Yes, through rooted. My favorite thing was Ginger figuring out Zoom, meeting with us on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> it was like every week we had to meet on Zoom, and um, there's Ginger. She's on there on her on her uh, computer, and you get her forehead, and <laughs> it was amazing. But Sweet she was Ginger. there. She was all in. And, she was uh, one of our greeters here at church in this, at least in this last season. So, one of my memories that I even shared at the funeral, at the memorial service, is just coming in regularly on a Sunday morning, and one of the first people that mm-hmm. is there to greet you is mm. is sweet Ginger, mm-hmm. and just so kind to people. And yeah, hug, she's one of my biggest encouragers. Yeah. One of my biggest encouragers. I've been here ten, little over ten years, and just yep. um, I, yeah. I'm assuming we don't have many listeners at that age right now listening to our podcast for just demographic reasons mm-hmm. and technology. And um, although my mom listens occasionally and she's almost 77. Um, but so it, this may fall on deaf ears in that sense. But man, just a reminder of the the power and influence of wise older people. You know, I it, it makes me sad to watch... Um, people who get into their later years who really question, you know, and I've known several people over the years just question their, how do I contribute now? Mm-hmm. And Ginger to me is a reminder, man, it doesn't, you, it doesn't take much. Just, just be intentional. And you have such a voice in the lives of younger people, mm-hmm. even if, you know, half the time or the majority of the time, it seems to be falling on deaf ears. Uh, not to me, you know, I just have so much respect for people with life experience and um, obviously we can make jokes about um, like, I know I don't want to end up being a curmudgeon. I don't want to end up being grumpy old man. And I know that's very possible for any and all of us, especially when the body starts to ache and Mm -hmm. um, the things we are sad about and, and miss things that have changed. But on the other side of that, there's, there's people with, with age, with wisdom, with life experience like ginger that doesn't let that rule, you know, what ruled for ginger was just a love for people and a love for Jesus primarily. And just a, just a wow to watch her lead her ladies mm-hmm. and love her church. Um, so just a quick shout out to, uh, ginger Beish, one of our yeah. colonial heroes. It's a huge loss. I'm very sad as as a pastor and elder at Colonial that we've lost Ginger. I'm just sad because you don't replace people like that. In a lot of ways, I didn't know her near as much, but I got a lot of hugs from her in the cafe and and uh, seeing her face. And um, but in a lot of ways, she reminded me of uh, of like a Martin Beck that was um, yeah. you know yeah. that's, that's always there, is praying for you mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Uh, yep. making it known that you're loved and yep. and uh, that he sees you. So yeah, yep. yeah, definitely. Um, I brought this up uh, to you guys right before we started recording. I read, I want to shift gears again, another hard turn here on the podcast. Read a fascinating article on Christianity Today this past week, and the title just grabs my attention. Uh, 
The title is You Should Be Bored in Church. Hmm. And I'm like, why would we want to be bored <laughs> in church? And yet, man, it's just an interesting interview. It's a Q&A article with a professor at a seminary. Um, and he, the, the subtitle is Q&A with Professor Kevin Gary on the moral problem of the restless mind and why we need to learn to sit with tedium. Um, so maybe I want to start off before we even look at the article and ask you guys, when do you, outside of church, on a Sunday morning, sitting in a chair, um, listening to someone like me talk or, or anything else we do uh, from a ritual standpoint in a church on a Sunday morning, when are you just sitting? Like with nothing else to with do? With nothing else to do. Hmm. I think it's like the only times I can think of like maybe being bored of mind rather than physically is like when I'm doing something that's like a mindless task, like driving someplace. I'd mm. say that like, <laughs> like you shouldn't be thinking when you're driving, but, um, <laughs> you know, mowing the lawn or, or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, or at the end of the day, like everyone's in bed and I'm the only one awake and I'm sitting in a chair, but then it would end up either I go do something or fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't honestly, I, Unless I'm just really intentional about it, I don't have moments where I'm like I, I, I'm probably got too much going on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I definitely err on that. Like, uh, I, I mean, it's it's easy to blame it on like three little kids, you know, but uh, <laughs> they don't let you get too bored. Right? No, they they really don't. <laughs> At that ages especially. Yeah, but but I think that's what the article speaks to is. Um, I'm guessing our listeners too are going, Ooh, not very often. I mean, even, even right now listening to the podcast, you're probably driving or you're probably, um, at least engaged thinking cooking, through things, cooking dinner or cooking dinner. Yeah. yeah. I, I know for me, what really resonates with this topic is, um, I am, I don't, I don't, I avoid boredom. And I think that's what our what he's saying. Yeah. Our culture does. We'll do anything we can, yeah, absolutely, to avoid boredom. Yeah, it's very so, very countercultural. Man, if I'm in, if I'm in the car, I reach for the the a podcast. I reach for to text somebody to call somebody. I reach for music. Um, if I'm in my house, I reach for the TV remote. Um, I until it's time to actually go to bed and try to turn my brain off. I avoid that. Mm. You know. And so um, let me just have a couple quotes from this article. Uh, first of all, the, the question asker says, is boredom a moral problem? Is it something we're doing wrong? And he does say, he poses this theory that there's something significantly moral about it uh, because it's something we have to respond to. And he compares it with anger. I think this is really interesting. You know, if you think about maybe you have a problem with anger and just to keep it real, Tanner, you've said, man, that's one of my oh, challenges, definitely, yeah. you know? yeah. Well, we have to think through, okay, how am I going to respond in moments when I feel anger creeping up? Mm-hmm. I have to plan ahead. I have to pray through it. I have to develop disciplines. Mm-hmm. It's a morally perilous situation, potentially, you know, because we have to respond to it. Um, and he says a big part of the moral problem of boredom is it sneaks up on us, and we have to have a response. How am I going to respond to boredom? Am I going to do the normal thing? In fact, he says this, the most predominant way we contend with boredom is we just avoid it. We maneuver our way out of it. Our digital devices are perfect for that, giving us the stimulation we need 
to escape situations we find tedious. Um, and he says it's a problem. He talks about um, just this need we have as humans to be able to sit and be present. Um, and thankfully, as a pastor, I was encouraged by this. He says the church has this opportunity to give a culture, you just said it's counterculture, give a culture that doesn't, doesn't normally engage with sitting still, um, with even letting boredom be something. Uh, that's really the, 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 I think the heart of this article is he's like, yeah, if we're doing it right, we should be bored at church and embrace. It's okay. <laughs> um, cause church is not meant to entertain church right. is not meant to help us escape. You know, church is meant to, in some ways it's meant to slow us down church, church gatherings, I should say, mm-hmm. in the language of what we've talked about recently, Sunday morning gatherings should be. So he says, um, one of the questions is, uh, your book that you write focuses on classroom because you're an educator, but I kept thinking about church. Have you ever been bored in church? And the author says, I'm often bored in church, but it's interesting. I'm a Catholic and I don't find myself getting restless or bored during scripture readings or the prayers, all the parts are the same always and repeated over and over, but that helps me enter into Sabbath. It's during the homily, which is another word for teaching or message, that I get this experience of boredom. <laughs> Shout out to Lauren and other people who bore people with their teaching. It's during the homily that I get this experience of boredom. I just sit there in my head. Um, the, questions, the question asker says, is that wrong? Maybe we should be bored in church. And he writes, church services can be part of a boredom avoidance scheme. Let's try to really entertain with our music, for example. And I think that's a disservice because we're guiding people to steer clear of boredom rather than engage with it. It's an uncomfortable mood state, but learning how to push through that to get to something enjoyable and meaningful is a discipline. And I would say a virtuous practice. I'm going to turn to our worship pastor who has been learning, is continuing to learn. Man, what does it mean to really engage with the Lord? What does it mean to help people as a group corporately engage with God? What are your thoughts on this? I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean, it's... (laughs) I don't don't like the word boredom. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing good about that word, right? No, it... it, um, I mean, I, it's an article that's designed to make you click on it and check it out and all that stuff. But I don't like the word. I don't like the word boredom. Um, I think I would replace it with uh, silence. Uh, I might even replace it with like solitude in specific settings. Um, it's it's. Um, it's the moment, like to me, it's the moment, like outside of the church. I'll, I'll, I'll speak personally, and then I'll speak like maybe corporately, like for the church. Uh, out, it's the moment outside the church where you're going to go to the grocery store. In, I'll say for me and Shelby, um, we hop in the car together, and we're going to go somewhere. It may take us 10, 15 minutes to get there. Well, it's it's the what is it? What is it in us that if she's driving or I'm driving? causes the other to just scroll through Facebook or Instagram or just kind of watch reels or whatever, rather than just leave the phone in your pocket and be in the car together for a minute, even if we don't really engage in much conversation. 
it's those moments. I don't think it has to be as complicated as, you know, sit down and only sit and do nothing and carve out two hours. I think it's just like, how do you, how do you like just be okay with what it is that you're currently doing mm. and not fill up? I like that. that I think that's space. I think that's spot on. Now, when it comes to the church, um, you know, I have been wrestling with this recently in that we, we kind of move from one thing to the next within the context of a gathering. Um, I kind of don't like new revelation for me. I don't really like calling it worship service. I'm tired of that term as well worship service i don't know that, that's a that's well, i do like that better that's than calling a it hole. church though definitely for, for obvious definitely reasons yeah for sure for sure but like you can worship at home you can't gather in the community of believers at home right like like i, I would want to talk i do want to talk about that at some point but um when it comes to like the what we do what we program you know air quotes what we program within our gathering on a sunday we move from one thing to the next and we're we're not okay with the stillness. We're not okay even like in a transition. We even, it's what it's what pushes us from a worship pastor standpoint from producing a service so to speak. It's what pushes it's what pushes us to talk about okay, well, transitions. transitions. Uh when, After, when's the TV going to be put there or or it, when do, should that person come up because they're going to host and you're going to do this or you're going to and, and what if there's five seconds of, yeah, silence, of silence between things? Ooh, we, that's going to be awkward. It feels, and it's funny because <laughs> to say to say five seconds to anybody at home listening who really has, doesn't have a whole lot to do with planning a church service, they think, well, that's just not that much time. But anybody who knows how knows or has experienced being on stage or being responsible for one of those moments, five seconds feels like a lot of time. I do think our listeners can at least identify with. I'm sitting in the crowd. We just finished singing for example yes and then i'm used to Tan- sound and tanner walks off uh-huh and nobody walks on well can i be honest it happens this weekend we're doing an acoustic acoustic kind of set this weekend and i finished the worship worship you know the quote worship set the music portion of our gathering um pray i pray uh like i would normally would i ask everyone i tell everyone thanks for singing and you know, go have ahead and you have a seat it takes a little less time for everybody to sit down and get comfortable than it normally would. There's silence as our host, Kali, is walking on stage to do that. I'm walking off feeling, that's awkward. Well, why? Why yeah. is that awkward? Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's just that, that, production it's mindset. that sound input. It's, yeah. the, it's all that. So, I think for me, the, it's, the, it's the word boredom. Yeah, that is what yeah, I would push back yeah. because but I I totally agree. Like it, if you if you look at the at the entertainment value of things, like our our culture is built on. I mean, look at look at movies. Like if you go back and watch movies that are from you know the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, or whatever, and then you watch a movie that's now that's that's from now. I mean, watch a YouTube video and the jump cuts and they we're jumping and, and your your focus is changing all over the place because they're trying to still capture your attention. Where back in the day. Our movie, you'd stay on a on a camera. Yeah, you'd call for it a lot longer. You'd call it, oh, you know? it's just slow. This movie's just right, slow. exactly. And so now yeah. you watch it, and it's like, oh my gosh, this movie takes <laughs> yeah. forever. Yeah. And so and so to me, it's it's not about to me. I don't like the word boredom. Yeah. I think is what you said, um, because it's not about are are you bored? If I'm bored, then I'm no longer paying attention, and I, and my mind is wandering to anything else because I need to fill that space. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like 
can you be mindful of something that's not just entertaining you? Yeah. Sure. Not just well, there I for think the it comes. Value. <clears throat> I think it comes down to like what you do with that boredom. Yes. Like, it, it, are you filling yes. are you filling the boredom space with more input, mm-hmm. or are you filling this the the boredom space with maybe the opportunity to create? You know, it's like, are you yeah. gonna or or taking in something differently? You know. Right. Um, again, I go back to sitting in the illustration sitting in the car. Like, even if I'm going to drive an hour and a half, two hours, my, Shelby and I just went to a wedding that was an hour and a half away. It, I would have been incredibly frustrated with my wife if she sat there the entire drive on her phone scrolling through. Like, be content to be in the car with me, right? Like, <laughs> what are we, like, what are we, kind of the ask the question, what are we doing when we're doing what we're doing? Yeah. Um, what are we taking in and are we creating space to create? Are we, um, or is it just to, I don't know. Well, it's like, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, we talked about, uh, when we went to Colorado Springs, like, what are you missing? Yeah. You know, we yeah. had, we had like a eight hour drive from, from Wichita Falls to, to Colorado Springs or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and my kids have never been out of this time zone um, anything we've ever done has stayed in the central time zone. So mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things. Then you get into, into the actual parts of like driving into the mountains and they're all like glued to their devices or whatever. And it's like, if you would put it down for a minute, like look at the surround, like you've never seen mountains like this before. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you missing? Because we're trying to entertain ourselves. Sure. And so that to me is the same thing It's like in the moment, if you're not just trying to entertain yourselves and go fast from one thing to the other, what can you create? As you said, what can you, what are you, what are you missing? Like, are you maybe missing that, that God's talking to you and it's, yeah. if you're jumping from one thing to another and you needed the space there or it needed to be quiet. Right. Well, on that note, maybe for time's sake too, uh, I, you guys are, you didn't even read this article, uh, which, and you're just talking about how he finishes. He says, <laughs> it's awesome. He says, the question is, what is the right response boredom how should i respond and the author says we can become practitioners of being fully present which is a way of entering into leisure that's the word he uses but then he he expands with with leisure i'm not thinking of vacation or escapism uh to to your point i'm not thinking about jumping on instagram i'm not thinking about you know getting myself busy because i'm 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 bored you know he says we want to contrast vegging out with what he calls contemplative beholding. I would describe it as receptive attention that is able to appreciate what it's beholding, which these are big words I don't use normally every day, but sure. but man, I, I love that. It's like, how can I slow down and not just turn off, veg out, click something else, but how can I be receptive to maybe noticing something else? Yeah. Maybe just focusing on being fully present with another person. Um, I think that includes God, prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, it includes my wife. It includes my kids. It includes whoever I'm with. But mm-hmm. even even alone, which is probably where this will be the hardest for me, is I've got an hour and a half drive ahead of me, so to speak. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about going to pick up a friend at the airport in OKC in a couple of weeks. And right. Three hours by myself, you know, or what is that? Two and a half. What Two and a half, Am I going to allow myself just a little bit of no podcast, no music, time right and just be receptive to looking at God's creation around me and and listening maybe God has something to say to me in the stillness mm-hmm. um, maybe even wrestle with 
why is this so hard? <laughs> yeah. You know, going inside my, my brain. I think, I think that's what he's talking about. And I would argue too, he uses the word boredom very much on purpose. He's yeah, yeah he's, definitely. Yeah. He's attacking that. It's not a felt need, but it's, it's a, it's not a true no, need. It's, it's a, it's an assumption it's a, it's that a, this uh, is what it is. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's an, not, yeah. It's not really boredom. It's, no. it's an, it's a discomfort. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, he would say it's a moral problem. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not where I, I'll add this real quick. My daughter, who's, not quite 17 brought to my wife and I t- our attention a month or two ago. I don't know where she got this. I think one, Oh, I think one of her teachers gave it to her. That's what it was. And it was about kids, um, embracing boredom. And I was shocked that my teenager <laughs> brought it to me. It sounds like the kind of thing I'd bring to her and she'd completely blow <laughs> off, you know, but she came to us and said, wow, this is really interesting because it basically yeah. is a, is a call to teenagers specifically when when do you allow yourself to not be mm-hmm. entertained? Like you just always got to grab that phone. You always got to have that TV on. You always got to have that music on. When do you even allow yourself? Which obviously older generations are nodding their heads going, yeah, yeah, preach. See, you know? see, but I would push back because I could say the same thing. Like I remember when my mom would be like, go outside. I don't care. Don't come back in for yes. the next same idea. hours or whatever. Same right? idea. But and, and we all like I hear people complain about the younger generations, and it's like, we oh, they it. just can't do whatever. And I'm like, how often are we doing the exact same thing, Tanner? You're talking about when you're driving in the car and we're scrolling through so true some yeah. social media, or I'm reading a, an article yeah. about sports or or whatever it is. You know, we do the same, same things. Stuff. It maybe it doesn't look exactly the same, but we still fill all that space mm-hmm. with other things, and so it's not like to me it's it's an it's all of us. We all do this. Our society yep. does this. Let me finish this with his last last question and answer, because this is humbling for me, but also I think spot on. He the question says, when you're sitting in church, so he's talking about a Sunday morning gathering, and you've lost the thread of the homily, the teaching, and you're bored. What do you do? Or if you don't want to hold yourself up as an example to follow, what do you want to do? (laughs) I appreciate the question. He wrote, more often than not, I just sit there in my head and mull around a bit. But I think that's okay. I think that can be a good practice to be in your head thinking about your thoughts. I'll ponder the scripture, maybe compose my own teaching, how I would talk about it. That's a way of attending to the text, to the scripture. But even if I'm not doing that, I think it's a good thing to practice just sitting. Apart from church, we no longer have many spaces where we sit with ourselves. I think there's value in learning how to sit. I think that's interesting. Well, to me, it 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 uh, segues into the 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 teaching from two weeks ago, where we talked about what's the point of mm. why are we here? Why do we come together? What's the point of the gathering? Yep. If we don't want to use the worship service, where mm-hmm. what what's the, what's the point of a Sunday gathering? And I think the biggest thing, the, the, the couple things that stuck out to me was like, it, 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 it's not always going to be practical. And we have this in our, in our minds where that, that to me is another one of those things that's mm. like, it, it's right up there with, yes. with entertainment, mm. right? And if it is not entertaining me, and then, then how is it practical yeah, to my life? Yeah, what's the point then? Right, then yeah. what am I doing here? And then, and then the other thing that really stuck out was that it's not supposed to be transactional. Mm. And, and so when you put those two things together and then you think about like coming out of pandemic where I feel like we have a lot of people that realized they were doing church because, or in, in a way that was transactional, that was like, mm. eh, I don't, I, don't need to, I don't need that transaction anymore. And now to come to the other side of, of pandemic and, and things open up and all that kind of stuff, it's like, eh, it's not as important. I think you're spot on. I think some people, 
saw Sunday morning church services as, as okay, I thought that was useful. I thought that was, I thought I got something from it. I'm not sure that's even true. I'm not going to go back. Hmm. And you know what? If they, if they saw it solely as practical and transactional, then that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, well, and I would say even pastors, even even leaders are were pre-pandemic saw it that way. I mm-hmm. mean, not all of them, you know. Yeah. But a good majority, I think. Uh, maybe that's not fair to say, but I think a good majority we weren't wrestling with that kind of a question pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's really since the pandemic has happened and people aren't flooding back into the church and all those things that we've had to wrestle with. And I say we as in church leadership, what do you do now? And what is it supposed to look like? And, oh, well, maybe we could have spent more time teaching on what this is supposed to be about mm. uh, rather than rather than spending so much time figuring out what brings people in the door. Uh, spend more time about teaching when you're here, this is what it's supposed to be for. Um, I don't know. Um I think it's a good thought, though. Well, as we as we move forward into um, even this week, as we've continued that church defined and like, what's the point and what are we doing? What is it supposed to be? Um, I, I loved the, uh, the you know, and, and we've used this story a million times in a million different ways. But Jesus washing the disciples' feet, um, and I, I liked the um, I like the twist, not twist, but the different different perspective of how humiliating that would have been, mm. not only for himself, but it's easy to make a humiliating decision for yourself because you're saying, I'm going to... I'm willing, gonna take, willing to do this, right, yeah. I'm willing to do this, I'm going to do this thing. But then to look at it from the perspective of the disciples or of, of, of Peter, who's like, no, 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 hang on. <clears throat> what does that mean for me? Because now, not, now you're not just making a decision for you, mm. you're also making a decision that impacts me and my life. I, I just thought, I was like, I hadn't thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. I Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm caught up in my thought with that. <laughs> like that's uh it's okay to be bored. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what if we just were silent for, 40 for an entire podcast? podcast. <laughs> no, I said 40 seconds. We probably seconds. lose everybody. Yeah. Oh, I guess they're done. <laughs> we you probably lose me. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Hey, do I hear snoring? <laughs> mm. Yeah, like what? What is it about? Like, um, what is it about the decision that we are comfortable making uh, to be the butt of a joke or to, you know, mm-hmm. do the thing that everybody's going to laugh at or you know, whatever? But, but then to say, well, this person's also going to do that. We're like, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. Um, Except in that moment, big hole in this is. This is Jesus making that choice. Well, sure. I don't yeah. know that he's challenging us to make those choices. You're observing what it would have been like, you know, in the moment, in the moment or for, yeah. yeah, to evaluate. Because well, he, he this is, is choosing, the way we're supposed to live, right? He, I'm not sure he's. I, I don't. Maybe I'm misunderstanding y'all, but I don't gather at all. And I don't think you're saying this that Jesus, Jesus is teaching us. Hey, you need to not only humble yourself, but be willing to humble other people. I don't think that's no, 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 the message no, no, at all. No. No, I, I no, I think I think it's it's the wrestling with uh, we need to humble ourselves, and then what's the impact of that? Now it's it's the thought process of I'm watching Jesus do this, 
as a sign of this is what we should be doing. And now I have to wrestle with that internally. Yeah. You know, um, it's yeah. Anyway, I, I think I didn't say it this way yesterday, but I, I think this idea of humbling ourselves like, okay, I'm going to choose to hold the door open for someone. I'm going to choose to take the last seat at the table. There's nine of us walking into the room. There's, there's nine or 10 seats at the table. I'm going to choose to let everybody else find a seat or there's a line for food. I'm going to go last. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take on even maybe more of a visible posture of serving somebody in some way. I think that's one level. I guess where I was trying to go, because this is what I was reading between the lines in this moment from Peter's standpoint, even, and especially with a larger context of other things Jesus did with Peter I, I used the word attack yesterday at some point. I think I think Jesus is almost he's arguably attacking Peter's pride, attacking his ambition. Mm. Um atta- if if the disciples were indeed going, man, it's about to be amazing. Mm-mm. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's 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 pulling the yeah, rug yeah, out. He's like, uh uh-uh, uh, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I mean that, you, you you march into march into Jerusalem right before it with the palm and branches everybody's, and everybody's praising Hosanna, the yeah. king is here finally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean I forget that Peter's probably right there walking behind the donkey you right. know and he's looking around going booyah like arrived. this is amazing yeah. Yeah. you know yeah um I just brought Booyah back. What's that? It's the, 1992. It's you entrance. didn't bring it back. You don't have that. Oh, I brought it back. Of, you know. Everybody's going to be saying it now. <laughs> Booyah. What else? What else can I bring back? Um, no, seriously. Sorry. Totally distracting. I just think there's something very humbling to me about, oh, wow. And I tried to say that yesterday. It was, it was a very serious. I felt like it was a very serious teaching time. Um, one of my girls even said, Dad, you didn't have any jokes today. Can you, mm. you? And I yep. was like, I was like, ooh, lost the 12-year-old, you know? Yeah. Um, she was bored in a bad way. <laughs> she was bored in a bad way, yeah. But it was just, it's a serious thought of he's not just asking us to do the menial tasks. Right. He's not just challenging us to go last. That's, that's a level mm-hmm. of being a servant. He's asking us, I have my list in front of here from my <clears throat> teaching notes, to not even need other people's affirmation. Not, not require at some level being respected <laughs> by people like that's a whole nother that's level. harder that's because a, yeah. because here's the thing i can become a servant and therefore be respected right right therefore right. Yeah, be yeah, yeah 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 supported and affirmed he's taken it to a whole nother level of i want you to die to yourself which by the way very well might include the opposite of praise the opposite of respect you know ridicule yeah, wow, that's a whole nother level, you know? Hmm. Yeah, ridicule ridicule or even like um like uh I don't think I don't think the opposite of I don't think the opposite of praise is ridicule. I think the opposite of praise is like completely unnoticed. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like to yeah. to to the person who goes, "Man, I really need the I really need like the validation of, of the things that I'm doing, probably the opposite of, mm. of that is nobody knows. Mm. Nobody's even given you the attention of ridicule, yep. you know? Which in our, I, I guess to say it differently, in our culture is, it's almost like a negative in the box score. You know, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. things that are positive in the box score. <clears throat> it's a sports term for how, how do you measure who got a home run, who got a touchdown, mm-hmm. et cetera. The opposite is 
you made that hustle play and it didn't show up on paper and you get no recognition for it. Um, it's almost like a negative because then you look at, at, Oh, uh, Tanner didn't yeah. do anything. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm looking at the box score, I'm rating, I'm measuring, I'm measuring success and he didn't do anything. He's that's negative. Mm-hmm. When you may have, I'm, I'm digressing down sports. You may have been one of the most important pieces, you know, I think that's what he's calling us to. I really do. I think that's the call of John 13. Um, Brooke, you had a, I think, a, a appropriate and and maybe even diff- yeah. difficult question about another aspect of the teaching yesterday. Yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to ask this, and and then we can get to um, one of the things that you mentioned yesterday that we want to talk about um, all before we wrap up here. So you you talked about the the um, how does the church as a uh, how is the church a family that serves? Um, die to self, as you t- as you said, is one of them facing challenge um, with slow unstoppability. But the other one that was that, that stuck out to me was to expand the rule of Jesus. And um, maybe my brain all of a sudden got bored in my head, and I started <laughs> thinking about other things. But I didn't feel like you went into a whole lot of explanation of what that meant. I'm, and, I'm talking about the Crusades. Yes, I'm so, talking well, no, about no, we but all. For real. So, so, <laughs> so when you say the rule of something, yes. my mind goes to like a a uh, you know all of the ways that our world, like ruling, is imposing your will or whatever mm. on someone else, mm. and so it made me think about like forced conversions and uh, and and crusades, as you said, or forcing what we think should happen on our society. And mm. and so I was I was curious if you could go into what does it mean? What is what is the rule of Jesus and how is that the same or different than uh, basically forcing Christianity on 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 someone? I love that you asked that question, because if nothing else, I didn't really unpack that much or arguably well yesterday at least much. <laughs> I'll go with that. Um, yes, I, I think, first of all, let's recognize, as anytime we talk about kingdom or rule or reign, we have to acknowledge, okay, that's just, that's just foreign to us as 21st century Americans. Um, we're so fascinated with, you know, the queen died recently, and so all our attention goes to the English monarchy, and we're like, it's almost like cute or fairy tale like uh, or obsolete or, you know, it's, it's just completely foreign to Mm -hmm. us, you know? So let's just recognize that's one of the challenges for us as we read the Bible, as we read the new Testament and Jesus uses a whole lot of kingdom language. I think that's a healthy thing to just acknowledge, wow, this is foreign to me. I've got to somehow figure out what this means. So when you talk about the rule of Jesus, I would understand most of us as American 21st century Christians going, I'm not even sure what that means. And to your point, maybe one of the first places our brain goes is with power, you know, mm-hmm. with, with swords like the Crusades, with, um, with a forced leadership, you know, of some kind. And um, I was reading an article because I knew you were talking about this, and he this, this article about the kingdom of God points out, um, oh, my notes are messing with me, that um, when we talk about, the reign of God, what we're talking first and foremost about is it's a saving reign. I think this is really helpful. When we think about God as king, Jesus is king, and we want he wants his kingdom to expand, uh, 
it's not about power over. It's not about control, which is what where my brain kind of goes naturally when I think mm-hmm. about the rule of somebody. The rule of King Blank right. is about control. It's about power. Well, the rule of God is about saving. It's about rescue. And so we understand that we are saved from death for life. We're saved. I'm, I'm looking at his article. We're saved from shame for glory. We're saved from slavery for freedom. We're saved from sin for him. Um, we're saved from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. It's, it's a saving rule. And so that completely changes the tone. I mean, I think we can all quickly agree. Crusades is not the church's finest hour. You know, <laughs> we're going to go force, you know, right. Christianity on these infidels. There's nothing in scripture. <laughs> there's certainly nothing in the new Testament that goes, that's a good idea. Like it's completely, I, I would say it's blasphemous. It's, it just had to grieve the heart of God, you know, in so many ways. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, we, I think what, what I understand is it's back to Paul's words. You know, Jesus wants to fill the entire universe with himself. He doesn't want to subdue everybody and, you know, put their knee on his neck, in, on our necks. He wants, he wants to save. He wants to, to rescue. And so... Um, I think that's where it gets really mysterious as we try to unpack, okay, what does it mean for us to be a part of that, for us to expand his rule? Well, that's, at the very least, the first place my brain goes is it's about us sharing the good news Mm. of Jesus everywhere we go. That's our motivation. It's not because we want more people in our camp, more people in our club. It's because we know how good God is. He's a rescuing God. He's a saving God. He's a He's a renewing God. He's making all things new. We want to share that with people. That's expanding his rule. Um, I even think it's as mysterious as he wants more and more and more and more and more people spread out, seeing the world like he does, because that changes culture. That changes the, 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 the decisions this group over here is making with their money is because his rule has been expanded in a way that now there's more people in that decision-making body um, for that foundation or that business or whatever. And they see the world through the eyes of God um, in a way that we would say, for example, is biblically backed. You know, it's just consistent with the character of God. It changes the way they're going to use their money. And that, that's, that's part of expanding the rule of Jesus. Does that, is that helpful? Does that make sense in a practical way? If you're in your neighborhood, let's take it to the neighborhood. If there are more and more people in your neighborhood, even if it's just two more or it's mm-hmm. seven more, that that have submitted their lives to the King Jesus and just want more of their neighbors to experience the goodness of God and see, be seen, first of all, by their neighbors, by several neighbors, by multiple neighbors, the way God sees them, then that's expanding the rule of Jesus. It's not control. It's not power over. Um, in fact, that's one of the things I've heard the Lord speak to me from a language standpoint, from a theology standpoint over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, it's more recent in my life, power over versus power under, you know, our world is power over and the way of Jesus. It's, it's a reign, it's a rule, but it's power under, um, which is beautiful and so different than what we're used to. Yeah, it's almost like um, it's almost like experiencing that 
God is good versus like knowing he is right. Like it, it, it's like this <clears throat> doing the right thing versus experiencing the good thing. Um, uh, that's the way it makes sense in my mind. Like mm. if you, if, if you have, you know, if you have been transformed by Jesus, um, well, then you are experiencing the goodness. Like you're experiencing the goodness of God in yeah. that. Probably as you're doing that, discovering right things about God, but really you're experiencing the goodness of God. So it's less like, it's less, let me talk to you about doing the right thing. It's more about like, have you, have you met? Have you experienced the goodness? Mm. Which tends to expand, right? So let's, at the risk of three pastors who spend a lot of time in a church building, church office, um, we don't have the experience day to day, at least in this season, um, of being in a workplace with a bunch of non-Christians, um, as you would say, Brooke, uh, rubbing shoulders with people on a daily basis that are not <laughs> Christians. Um, let's get practical. Like, what does it mean for some of our listeners who are going into work, who are going into school, um, or for all of us who are living in neighborhoods that are surrounded by a, a, a decent percentage, if not a high percentage of people that, that aren't under the rule of Jesus, aren't submitting their lives daily to Jesus? What does that mean for us to expand the rule of Jesus? Let me pose it to y'all in a very practical way. What does that, what does that look like to y'all? I think um, what what Tanner, what you were saying, makes a lot of sense to me, and some of the things that I've read recently about um, the difference of uh, of of loving someone rather than showing them that you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, the and even in the in the book we read, the unoffendable book, it was you know there was part of that was about it's not about just being a I'm going to stand here because I'm right and you're going to have to change. Yeah. It's the, I'm going to love you even if you are wrong and I believe that you're wrong and I believe the opposite. I'm still going to show you love and yeah. show you grace. Yeah. Um, and, and so to me, it, that's, that's a lot of what, it's, what, what makes sense to me is how can, I, how can I show love to the people around me? How can mm. I show them something different um, that is hopefully a, a measure of the kingdom of God? So... so- maybe said less concretely and more conceptually, you're talking about a, a very immeasurable thing. You're talking about, I'm going to love well. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that even without words about blatantly about Jesus or blatantly about Christianity, I'm going to love in such a way, serve in such a way, bless in such a way that it, is, it stands out as different. It's, mm-hmm. it's not the normal way people act. It's... It's operating, operating from a completely different value system, operating from a completely different worldview. And that in and of itself is a way to expand the rule of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah. I, I think back to my time at a, at a previous job that was just a retail job. And this is the Apple store you yeah, worked for? Yeah, worked work for Apple. Um, I had more conversations about Jesus um, based on... Uh, life and mm. and how we treated each other rather than because I said, oh, I used to be a pastor or I used to do this thing at a church or mm. I do this thing on a, on a Wednesday or a Sunday. Yeah. Um, and so I had a whole lot more conversations, which to me was 
somebody was more interested in in the ways that I treated them, yeah. knowing that they that I knew that they were gay and what my church may may say about that, but that I still treated them as mm. a human or whatever. Mm. And so in that moment it helped it gave me the opportunity to yeah. to live that out in a way that it's not about just me telling you that you're right or wrong. Right. But that I could love you regardless. Yeah, and I think about uh I think about okay processing how to say this. Um I think I think about um like not making every situation about you. So, um, like for instance, I've got a, I've got, you're distracting me, dude. Uh, <clears throat> we've got sorry, I'm weird, random things in here that he's, he's <laughs> messing with Lauren. Uh, <clears throat> I think about a conversation. Only listening. I know, uh, sort of, um, I think about, um, a conversation uh, that I've recently had with um, someone who is coming back to church and the idea that every doubt that they posed, every question that they posed to me was not a was not a direct wasn't in direct confrontation with me personally, my belief system or, or what I have developed, um, recognizing that this person was in a state of discovery. Um, maybe not even inquiring. They were out like this person was really out to like pin me into a corner and, and trying to offend me really as a Christian. Um, and the fact that I was just content, uh, with, uh, not having the answer they were looking Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. or, um, saying it's okay to have that question, uh, or even just saying like, you can, come at me as hard as you want to. Like, that's totally fine. Um, that, that, that was disarming almost. So I think sometimes we, we can approach people with this sense of if they challenge me and my belief, I have to bring that same level of intensity back. Mm. And I, I think sometimes it's like fire away, you know, if you need to. That's totally fine. Um, uh, maybe even, yeah, just choosing not to be as <laughs> confrontational, as intense. You don't have to match intensity with intensity. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I I think just choosing how you how you live how you live your day to day life. What if what affects you? What doesn't mm. affect you? Um, am I going to even going back to like what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, like choosing to, to drive in the slow lane, you know, or, or, you know, Mm. going to, going to a grocery store and rather than trying to be, rather than trying to find that short line, whatever, you know, I think, I think this is good. I think you guys are speaking to two of the three things that come to mind. Brooke, I hear you saying, what am I going to do that's intentional? How am I going to how am I going to love well, serve, bless? How am I going to bring my different value system, my different worldview that I get from from God, the way of Jesus to the world in an intentional way? I hear you Tanner saying, how am I going to react? Yeah. You know, on on the kind of the other side of 
because we react, mm-hmm. you know, what, 100 times a day to things. We have to discipline ourselves and plan ahead to how we're going to react to things. Otherwise, it's just from the Which flesh. could come back to my anger thing, yes. but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's from the flesh. It's mm-hmm. from our sin. So how am I going to react in the way of Jesus? How am I going to... How am I going to not match that level of intensity if mm. that's not really what the Lord wants? How am I going to react to feeling in a hurry and yeah. still take the slow lane or whatever, right. you know? The other, I wouldn't say third of it, but the other one of three elements that I don't want to leave out is expanding the rule of Jesus is is sharing the good news of Jesus. Mm. It's it's not just the stuff without words intentionally or reactively. It's It's the aspect of... There are people that don't know Jesus. There are people that don't have an alternative to the life they're living, or they're trying all these other alternatives. And we know the answer to the question is Jesus. We know that um, to expand the rule of Jesus is also to to let more and more and more and more people know about God's love, the work God's done through Jesus the Son, to to reconcile relationship, to bring people home to Him, and so. I think that's you could argue those three kind of kind of cover yeah, all the I, areas. I want to ask you a question on that too, if I can. I know we're I know we're we're get coming up against time, um, but this is something that uh, something I wrestle with when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus. Is is I think there's appropriate times to <clears throat> tell of the good news of Jesus, but there. Also, might be times where we need to gauge um, uh, whether someone can tell that we are Christian. So, when I hear you say, um, "Tell them the good news of Jesus," um, <laughs> well, I, I ask the I want to ask. The, sorry, I want to ask the question. Like, um, when do you do it? Well. <laughs> I, or or how or or how you know like I think about um, I think about going to work for the average person. Um, how many of their coworkers know that they love Jesus? Like yeah, like do do they know? And if if they don't, how 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 would they know? You know, right. is it is it from some of the things that Brooke was talking about? Is it from from the ways that I have reacted? That maybe there's something different about the way I react that might clue them into this is different, or is it something I have said to them? Hey, just so everyone knows, I'm a Christian. You sure. know, like is it that kind of thing, or what is it? Is it a discovery of people on your part? Is it you putting it out there in the world? Hey, I'm a Christian. Um, I love Jesus. Do you know? Let me tell you about Jesus. Well, I I think not to avoid your answer, not to avoid answering the question. I think it's a giant. That's a great question, Tanner. <laughs> like I think it's a giant. It depends, you know. Yeah. And and what I really want to land on before we even, you know, blow that off is there's. I don't think there's a wrong answer. Um in a general sense, mm-hmm. I think you, I think you pray. I think you, you follow the Lord's lead. And, and I do think there's quote a, a wrong approach. If you never tell people, if you have a relationship with someone and you never tell them about Jesus, that there's a, there's an argument. What, what's wrong with you? Like, are you, why would you not share the best news you've ever heard? You know, if you lead on the other extreme, you lead with people, before they even really know your heart or they see any 
evidence of this being a reality in your life. Um, with, with exceptions, because there is a time and a place that we see in scripture that the gospel is preached to strangers, you know, um, I would say that's the rare exception. Um, and I would say you could argue you're doing it wrong. You know, it's, it's that huge continuum from extreme to extreme. When I work with these people every day, I've been there for X months. I've been there for X years. When do I use words? about Jesus and when do I just let my actions be louder than words? Mm. That's all gray to mm. me. And yeah. and anybody who tells you it's black and white, I, I would blow that off, you know? I <laughs> Yeah. Um I think that's why we ask the Lord every day, hey, what are you what are you saying? What do you want me to do about it? Because yeah. I th- I think if we have that posture, we can't mess it up. Mm. I think if we have that posture going to work every day, going to school every day, interacting with our neighbors from time to time, and we're asking that question every day and then committing to respond, then we cannot mess it up because I don't believe the God of the universe is going to leave us hanging for 10 years, living next to that neighbor and never give us opportunity, nudge us in that direction, convict us at a very supernatural level, speak through our friends, speak through our, our, our group leaders, our pastors, speak through the scripture we're reading on our own and, and just never tell them. I just don't see that happening, you know? So hmm. I don't mean that to be a cop-out answer. I just think, I will tell you, when, well, I, I, worked, cop out. when yeah. I worked with Young Life, um, Young Life as a ministry organization that tries to reach high school students who don't go to church. That, that, it's, it's whole mission. We're going to try to reach students who, who either are disinterested in church or at the very least, they just aren't connected to the church. Um, of course, we've got a lot of church kids, including mine, that love Young Life, but that's really not its, their mission. So when I'm a leader in Young Life, we were trained, um, earn the right to be heard. That's one of the mantras. With, with high school kids, with teenagers, earn the right to be heard. So we're not going to take the preaching on a street corner method. We're not going to take the um, you know talking at kids method. We're going to take the approach of spending time with students, go to their football games, be in their homes, have them in your home, go have milkshakes with them, take them to camp experiences in the mountains, you know, earn the right relationally to then be able to use words and share the gospel, speak into their lives. But I, I will tell, and I love that. I think it's biblical. I think it's beautiful. I think it's effective. I certainly think it's the most effective approach with teenagers because they've already got their arms folded and their, their, you know, just scorn look at their face when you try to go into their world as they should. That's how I was. Um, but I remember being convicted when I was in Friendswood, Texas, I was the area director of young life. We had a bunch of leaders hanging out with a bunch of kids. Brett was one of the guys I just loved. I met him when I was, when he was 15, I was his leader all the way through high school it was toward the end of his senior year. I had played, I'm going to date myself here. I had played two or 300 hours over the course of three and a half years of Halo with Brett. I had been in his home a hundred times. Uh, I had gone on these trips with him, ski trips and camp trips. And I remember going, I never talk about Jesus with him. I have been so concerned. He was a really hard kid to break through with. And so I went to the other extreme of 
I, I don't know if I've earned the right yet. I don't. And I look back on that going, what a joke. Like, I spent hundreds of hours with this guy. And he saw me love him well. And he heard me, frankly, talk about Jesus in other ways to other people. So, it's, like, was I worried about making him uncomfortable? Was I, was I just a wuss? You know, and I, I think I've had one or more. That's definitely one. I've had more than one experience over time of going, I waited too long in that relationship. Um, I don't, I'm not the guy that comes through the door yelling about Jesus. I don't make that extreme error. I'm the guy that makes the other extreme error. I could live next door to somebody and have them over for dinner and, you know, help them in their lawn and say hi all the time and make time to talk to them and never invite them to church, never mm-hmm. talk about Jesus with them. Like that. I'm that guy. Yeah. <laughs> if anything on the right. extreme, does, mm-hmm. that, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We are, uh, we're getting here, we're getting along here, so we got to wrap this thing up. Um, I'm going to propose that we come back next week and continue a conversation about uh, uh, some of the things that we talked about on Sunday that was um, uh, the church leaders, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers that Mm. you said you wanted to talk about, Lauren. Um, I I know we didn't get there today. Also, I thought it was a really interesting point when you talk about um, looking, looking strong but being weak and being... Uh, or and then and then the opposite of um, of that, looking weak but being anti fragile. Mm. Um, so I'd love to come back to those next week. Yeah. Um, next week we will have uh, a a special interview that you guys won't want to miss. Um, we next week is is Compassion Sunday, so um, we will uh, be sitting down with uh, with Gilbert from Uganda, who is uh, is a Compassion grad, and uh, just getting to hear some of his story. So um, we will come back to that um, as well. We'll have that interview tagged on, and we can continue this conversation next week if that works for you guys. Sounds fantastical. Um, but yeah, let's wrap this up. So. Uh, this has been the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. You can always get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com or from our app in the App Store, the Google Play Store. We would love your thoughts, uh, your input, your your feedback. Like, what are you thinking about some of this stuff? What what has uh, this spurred in your mind? What does it mean to be bored in church? Um, what do you think about compassion? And and uh, for those of you that have, have been a part of compassion for the last year, what's it been like for you? So send us your questions or your feedback, your thoughts to podcast at colonialchurch.com. We appreciate you listening and being a part of this with us. And we will pick up our conversation again next week.